Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I am so excited to share this episode with you. Ever since I heard Ainsley McLeod on my friend Luke Story's podcast, I fell in love with him. He is incredibly powerful and incredibly compassionate and is, I think, one of the leading experts in understanding past lives, karma, and how things that we experience in the past, not just in this lifetime, impact our present. He channels information, I think, from a really beautiful place and is an incredible teacher of how we can work through a lot of issues that kind of are unexplainable. And whatever your belief system is on past lives and reincarnation, this episode is not to challenge any of your beliefs. We respect your beliefs. We respect what feels true for you and maybe give it a listen. And there's a few things that you could perhaps learn. Ainsley gives some great advice on what to do when you feel stuck, how to pursue your calling, and so much more. And for those of you that do really resonate with past lives and being an old soul and reincarnation and what that really means, I think you are just going to eat up this episode. It goes a little long, but it's so worth it because I just couldn't stop asking him questions. So a little bit more about Ainsley. He is an international acclaimed past life psychic, spiritual teacher, and the award-winning author of The Instruction, The Transformation, and most recently, The Old Soul's Guidebook. Ainsley specializes in exploring past lives to reveal your life's purpose and has been a featured guest on Oprah's Super Soul Conversations. He lives on a tranquil island in the Pacific Northwest. You can learn more about him at ainsleymcleod.com. That's where you can take the soul type quiz that we discussed us. His books are on Amazon and I'll be sure to link his website up in the show notes. So sit back, relax, maybe set the intention as you're listening to have some memories of maybe some past life experiences for your highest good. It's always good to set that intention to only have memories that will serve you and are for your highest good. Really work with your own guides as you listen to this and enjoy. Ainsley, welcome to the show. I am so thrilled and grateful to have you on as a guest. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled and grateful to be here. Thank you so much for, for having me. And even more blessed that I got to have a one-on-one reading with you a week before we did this interview. So I got to right. experience your work. So I know a little bit about how it works and I read your intro, but I'd mm-hmm. love for you to, from your words, explain really what you do because I, it's so exceptional and so unique and so incredibly helpful that I really want people to understand your gifts and how you use them. So will you explain your work in your words? Sure. Yeah. Well, I, for about the last 20 years, um, since I discovered that I really had a, an ability to communicate with the other side, with the spirit world, I've been uh, working with people to help them really understand their life's purpose, and with a particular focus on past lives. I found when I started doing this work that all the blocks that we have in this life are past life related. Whatever, wherever we think things come from, that whatever trauma, issues, idiosyncrasies, quirks, you know, 
aspects of our personality. Everything is past life related. So that became a really big part of my work uh, over the last 20 years. So I, I consider it to be really helping people to find their life purpose, to get on track, uh, and in part by eliminating the, the blocks, fears, phobias, um, physical ailments, and so on that come from, from past lives. Mm, mm. So it's kind of clearing out the, the debris and the junk to allow you to really kind of go forward um, and being the person you're supposed to be. Mm. And this wasn't something that you knew you could do as a child. It wasn't like you strived your whole life to be a psychic and to read past lives. It's yeah, something no. that, that found you in a lot of ways, yes? It's, it certainly did. Yeah, I wasn't a five-year-old who's going, you know, when I grow up, I, I want to be a psychic. Yeah. Mm. And you resisted this in the beginning, didn't you? Well, I, yeah, I, I kept hearing from psychics that I, I was psychic and I should be doing something with it. And I really... Honestly, I felt as psychic as a wet paper bag. You know, I just had, I felt mm -hmm. like, no, I mean, how, how the heck were they saying that? I thought they were just, I don't know, being polite or flattering me or something. It was, but it, but it was funny because I, I heard it from numerous psychics and even, um, I mean, somebody, for example, who uh, approached me at Heathrow Airport um, in London, I mean, maybe thirty years ago. And she was telling me how she was psychic. She discovered her gift and her spirit guides were telling her she needed to encourage me to do something. Anyway, you know, we have a nice little conversation, but I had people even, somebody again in London, I somebody come up to me in a pub and apologize for interrupting, but her spirit guides were saying that I should be working as a psychic. And mm. like I said, I never thought I had any ability there. Uh, one, one psychic lady that I used to go and see in London. She'd always tell me every time she'd read me, she would, she would go, you know, and you're, you're, you're psychic, you know, which is always joke. Well, I wouldn't be sitting here paying you if I was uh, psychic <laughs> to do it myself. You know? But I, I was very resistant, especially I think because there's such an association with psychics and frauds, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I kind of, uh, you know, I was thinking, Oh geez, you know, I don't want to be associated with these people. I actually was, really self-conscious about using the word psychic because of the connotations. Right. Crystal ball and long dresses yeah. and potions and things like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not particularly woo woo apart from, you know, being psychic and all that, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I was very resistant for, for that reason particularly. Mm. And, uh, also I kept putting things off. There was there was a, a thing that happened to me. This is a, I talk about this all the time because it was such a, a, a an incredible experience for me. But I I ran into my deceased uncle in a bookstore in Hawaii when I was on a trip there, and it was just uh, for a moment. He'd been dead probably for about ten years, and I kept hearing from psychics, and I'd literally heard the day before from a psychic in Hawaii who said, "Oh, your uncle's here." She named him. She, mm. she said he wants to work with you. And, uh, and even then, um, you know, I still think, well, you know, he would have had no time for this in this life, you know, but of course when you go to the other side and, uh, so he appeared to me just for a second, but with a very clear message about working together. Mm. And then maybe about a week later, I was back on the mainland and, uh, and I just thought, okay, well, you know, I'm getting all these signs and encouragements, so let's see what happens. So I just sat down. I'm in a very quiet environment, and I just thought, let's see what happens. So I just said, okay, 
you know, kind of make your presence known or something like that. Felt very self-conscious and a bit <laughs> weird, you know. But um, within minutes or seconds, you know, I realized, oh, I'm making connections. I was able to ask questions and get answers. Um, it was very slow going in mm. the early days. Mm. I mean, I would never have had a career at the rate I was reading people or, mm -hmm. or reading or I wasn't even reading people back then. In fact, that was one thing I, I practiced for a very long time because I was very uh, concerned about getting things wrong. So I, mm -hmm. I wanted to be there was a little bit of perfectionism there and I didn't want to start reading people unless I felt really, really sure. So I spent actually several years, three, three years before I really started reading people and then just, you know, initially friends and family and then it it just uh, kind of grew from there. Mm, I love the integrity in which you approach this work because oh, I think there's a lot of different meanings to the word psychic. And one thing that you talk about, and we'll get to past lives in a second, but one thing that you talk about that I think is very important is there's different levels where people get information from, like the astral versus the causal. And yep. there can be people that think they're psychic that are getting information from more the astral level <laughs> versus the causal level or other level. So you, can you explain that a little bit? Because I think that's really important for us to understand. Yeah, I think that's, uh, it is really important. I, I think of it as there being three, three levels, three dimensions, or however you look at it. Uh, we, we've got us here on the physical plane in our physical bodies. And the next level up is the astral plane. This is where we go between lives. We go to process the life we've had and prepare for the life coming up. And when we're done with all of that, you know, after a long journey on the physical plane, we move to the causal plane with the, all the soul family, which is a group of souls we came in at the same time with. And so um, when I first started working with spirit guides, it was, uh, first of all, it was with my uncle who was on the astral plane. But he very quickly uh, introduced me to the spirit guides that I work with now who are on the causal plane. So the difference really is in the the type or quality of the the information that you get a lot of mediums for example they're connected to the astral plane when you're talking to the freshly deceased you would be connecting to the astral i connect to the causal plane and the difference there is that when you're a spirit guide on the causal plane you've got access to so much more information so the the guides that i work with can see the they can see my past lives. They can see where I'm going, what I'm, you know, what I'm doing, and they'll do that for my clients as well. So they they see the big picture. Mm -hmm. They know what you're working on, your fears, the the you know the the major goals for this life, and how you interact with other people because they can see their life plans as well. Mm. So that the so the information I I get is it's not um you know it's not so much connecting with uh, with great aunt Maisie on the other side and checking mm -hmm. she's okay um it's more sort of like you know where are you going and how do you get there mm -hmm. big picture stuff and then if we take that into the journey of a soul so and this it, it, what you teach i've it's not that I've heard it exactly the way you taught it before, but I've definitely mm -hmm. by spiritual teachers had it explained to me in a similar way because for years i i doubted reincarnation, especially mm -hmm. being raised in the Catholic church and, right. um, exploring different religions. And I was always a spiritual seeker, 
always trying to find mm-hmm. my way. I remember as a little girl going into my closet where no one can find me and reading this book on Mother Mary. I just love Mother Mary. And I think I was actually communicating with that energy, whatever that sure. means as a child. And so I've always been so curious and and wanting to know what, because I always knew there's more to life than just this. And my grandfather was a funeral home director. So I was around death oh. a lot and saw dead bodies and saw different funerals. So it was all something that was of great interest to me. So mm-hmm. I became very interested in reincarnation. So well, I'm going to ask a different question that I was originally going to ask. How do you know, because I, I, I think that some people listening are going to be like, oh, that makes so much sense. My soul's on a journey. I reincarnate. I have past lives. Other people may be like, nope, this is it. I have one life. And we're not here to convince anyone of anything. Whatever you believe, you believe. From your perspective, how do you know that past lives are true, that we do reincarnate? Hmm. Well, I was an atheist for most of my mm. life. Oh, so you're very I, qualified to answer this. <laughs> <laughs> and I had, yeah, I, I mean, this, I, it, I guess it's cognitive dissonance or something <laughs> for, you know, I, I was drawn to psychics and fascinated by, you know, how the heck does this all work? At the same time, convinced that there was nothing beyond this. And that's why the experience with my uncle was so huge, because that really got me interested. Okay, you know, how the heck does this all, all work? And so, uh, well, one thing you touched on there, I mean, people often say, you know, how do you answer skeptics? And I go, well, mm-hmm. I don't. I, yeah. It's not, not, my, not my purpose. I'm not interested in trying to convince anyone of anything. Right. Uh, it's just, you know, I present what I understand and what, it, you know, I've discovered through the work that I do. And that's it, you know, kind of take it or leave it. Yep. For me, the, 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 the proof, if you like, is that by examining a past life, you can get immense healing. And I've had mm-hmm. that myself and, you know, with hundreds, maybe thousands of other people where, you know, we, f- we find a past life. Um, when I'm working with somebody, I, I don't regress them. I just simply tell them what happened in their past life. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's enough usually to remind their soul that it doesn't have to hold on to whatever it's, uh, it is holding on to from, from the past. And so I think a, a lot of the evidence there is that things do uh, clear up. Uh, limiting beliefs, phobias. All phobias are past life uh, fears. They're death-related fears. Um, things like low self-esteem, fear of public speaking, all these sort mm-hmm. of things, they're all, they're all past life uh, issues. And once you find past life source, the, usually the, the problem will disappear very, very quickly. And I talk about this in all my books, you know, where, you know, give examples of how clients have you know, blown through like 20 years of some problem or a lifetime of something, um, usually in a few hours, days, or weeks. It's amazing mm-hmm. how quickly the, the, the shift can actually happen. Yeah, well, I'll share a personal example. During our reading, one of the first lives that came up was me uh, living in New Orleans, and I do not like New Orleans. No offense to anyone who lives there, but I've never liked it. Now I understand why. I didn't have a bad experience there in this life, but in a past life, and not one not long ago, according to you, um, there was a home invasion. My children were killed in front of me. I was shot as well. And I died shortly after. And sorry to get graphic with everyone, but you said to me, do you have a fear like at night? And, and this is something I've been trying to overcome ever since I got married. So I lived alone for many years, 
and I was okay. But then my husband came into my life. I started, I felt safe. The first time he went out of town, I couldn't sleep. I was a mess. I was afraid someone was going to break in all night long. And it happens every time he goes out of town. And you even said to me, do you get your deepest sleep between like 5 and 7 a.m.? I said, yes, because I feel like I made it through the night, that everything's going to be okay. And I lock the doors and I make sure the alarm's on. And every sound I hear, I'm like, (gasps) and so like connecting it back to that, it's like, oh, wow, I, there was still a part of me that was afraid that was going to happen again. So, so using that example, right. can you explain a little bit about how the past life carryover comes in? And even though I know today I'm in this skin suit that is Christine Hassler, it's 2020. I don't live in New Orleans. Like I know all that consciously. There's still this, this, for lack of a better word, program or memory that's activating me. Yeah. Well, how how it works is um, that you're okay. You have the experience in the past life, and by the way, uh, we we often have very strong feelings about places. Hmm. Uh, sometimes I'm I'm about to tell somebody about a past life somewhere, and uh, I'll say, you know, maybe it's a really negative past life, and I'll say something like, uh, "Well, there's a past life in Ireland." The person goes, "Oh my God, hate Ireland." <laughs> you know, it's like other people go, oh "My God, I love Ireland." Yeah. You know, so. Uh, often how we feel about a place is very much uh, related to what's happened in a previous lifetime. And uh, in fact, I had a client who, who had a terrible experience in New Orleans. I wrote about this in my last book. She was, um, she was stabbed in a, in a fight in, in New Orleans in another lifetime. And she's only been there once in this life. But the moment she got there, she said she hemorrhaged. Mm. And she said it's never happened before, never happened since. Mm. And it was some sort of connection to to the place and connected with bleeding uh, from the stabbing. Mm. And these are these things are often really, really weird and bizarre. But yeah. in in your in your case, so you have this experience. Uh, your soul is on a little bit of a hair trigger about the whole, you know, fear of somebody breaking in at night. Um, the problem, if you like, um, thinking of it in terms of reincarnations, that. You're, you you might be, as a very old soul, you could be, let's say you're on life 120. You've been you know, back and forth between here and the astral plane for five or six, seven thousand years. You know, it's usually roughly how long it would take to get through all your lives. And you're coming to, you know, very much to, to the end of the journey here. Um, so you, you're, you might be on life 120, but your soul doesn't die between lifetimes like the body and the mind. Mm. And so just one long it's experience one long, <laughs> one long life. So something that happened, like some, this, like what happened to you in New, New Orleans, uh, to your soul, it's a bit like something that happened to you twenty years ago in this life. You mm. know, it's a, it's a little bit of a distant memory, but it feels like it's part of this whole lifetime. So the soul has to be reminded that that was then and this is now. That's its big problem: is it's not able to separate out the, the one life from the next without a little bit of help. It seems really strange. You know, people think the soul would have all the answers, but it doesn't, wouldn't you? Mm. There would be no point in coming here to the physical plane if it had all the answers. It comes mm. here to, to learn, you know. So um, so there you have a – your soul is – it feels like, you know, being uh, being alone at night, um, you know, being in a home is, is dangerous, you know. Uh, so a typical thing for somebody who's had a, you know, burglary or being – or died at ho- in their home in a past life is that they will lock the doors, they'll lock the windows. They, uh, and that thing I was saying about where your soul's kind of on such high alert, yeah. it's sometimes 
you know, very hard to get to sleep. Yep. Or the, the another thing that happens, a lot of people will will report this. If they've had that kind of experience in a past life, they wake up at a certain time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ever have that where there's a pattern, uh, you wake up at 3.15 every night. Um, it's your soul checking to make sure you're okay because that was the time of whatever happened, what the, the trauma happened in the past life. Mm. So it, it it will sometimes stay awake until that point or wake up at that point, check everything's okay. And then in the early hours, the soul feels, ah, the sun's coming up. We're, we're safe now. We made yeah. it through. And that's why I was saying you get the best sleep at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So to to work with this now that I know, and, and for people listening, we'll, we'll, we'll get to, cause I can, it's funny when I interview people, I can hear my audience's questions coming in and then it's like, but, but what if I don't remember what I know my past life and what do I do when I have the memory? So in, in this particular example, for me, mm-hmm. it's really important to tell my soul that was then this is now to write about yeah. the experience you shared with me, to, to yeah. let it go and to just let my soul know that, that that's over. That's over. We're here now. You don't have to, you live through that already. It doesn't need to happen again. And just right. reassure Absolutely. my soul. And you, and, yeah. And you do that. And, you know, usually the, the, the shift will happen fairly quickly. It's mm-hmm. any, anywhere between seconds, minutes, days, weeks, sometimes a couple of months. Uh, but usually very, you know, fairly quickly, you notice some sort of difference. Mm. One of the the interesting things about that past life we're talking about is that uh, you lost children. That would usually, uh, there's two children who were killed. And that would usually create a fear around having children mm-hmm. or or big fear of loss. Mm-hmm. You know, the soul's fear would be if you have kids, you lose something, you, you know, yep. these precious things that you really love. Um Sometimes I even see people with that fear of loss. They they don't get too connected to their kids, you know. Mm. Uh, like e- even somebody I wrote about in one of my books, she said, "Well, I love my kids, but I just don't feel the connection that other people have to their kids." And what she's doing, she's trying to keep a distance sure. because it's it's to soften the blow should something happen to them. It's a, yeah. it, it's such a weird thing. But um, uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention there, too, is that you survived after being shot. Well, you were mm-hmm. six months you lived um, before before dying. Uh, you were paralyzed. I think it was a, may have been a bullet in the spine or something like that. It created a past life fear of powerlessness. And what that does is it, uh, I usually see that with something like enslavement or imprisonment in a past life, where you've been terribly disempowered. In this case, it's about the, the, the body. And uh, powerlessness shows up, well, it's always in the, the summed up with the motto, don't tell me what to do. Mm. Uh, people who have power in a past life don't, don't like to be ordered. You know, I'll say okay, it's okay if you're asked to do something, but if you're told to do something, it's a reminder of uh, being powerless. Mm. And it also, because of being so disempowered, one of the major goals for this life is to become a really empowered person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's like a lifelong goal to be a very powerful person. And also, it's a, there's, there's often a sort of karmic aspect to this, which has to do with empowering others. Mm-hmm. The feeling of really wanting to help to give other people tools and so on to help them, you know, be as empowered as possible. Well, I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and the fear of loss, especially, I mean, that's something that I've discussed on this show a lot is that I never anticipated falling in love and getting married would activate such a fear of my husband dying of, of losing him. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, he likes to do adventurous things. He likes to travel a lot. He mm-hmm. likes to do things that I would classify as dangerous. And that's my lesson. Cause the more I try to control him, you know, that doesn't work <laughs> at all for our relationship. Right. Uh, but I really do wrestle with that big fear of, well, that, yeah. that, that fear of losing somebody you love, uh, that's huge. I mean, this should uh, get a lot better in the next, uh, few few weeks mm. or next mm. couple of months and i'm sure next time we talk to mm. the difference there um I, I there's a story i was just telling somebody the other day um and I, i'd pretty much forgotten about it until uh until it came up uh, i was about four years old and um my mother was vacuuming the living room uh and my dad was he would come home for lunch from work um he was about 10 minutes late and my mom is vacuuming and and sobbing, <laughs> and I'm kind of like a four year old going, "What's wrong, mom?" Mm. And uh, so it turned out she was really worried that something had happened to him. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes late, mm-hmm. and the way I put it for somebody with loss is that if you're expecting someone and they're late, within five minutes you're going, "Something must have happened." Within ten minutes you're thinking about calling the hospitals and checking them out. Um, Fifty minutes later, you're you're kind of you know, your, 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 your mind, you're going through the eulogy that you'll deliver <laughs> at the funeral. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it, it's like the spiral into this, this dark place of loss. Yeah. But it's always about, it's because you've lost people you really cared about in the past life. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure even in that life felt some degree of responsibility. So I feel like if I can control more and, you know, be more responsible, then I can protect it, you know, prevent that's it a, from happening. Oh my gosh, it's funny you should say that because I see this all the time. Even though logically you can say, well, good God, there's nothing you could do. I mean, you were shot and your kids were shot and there's nothing nothing you could have done. That's not always what the soul takes away from them. Oh, but the, yeah. very typically, it's a feeling of, uh, I let them down. Yep. I, I could have, maybe I could have done more. Maybe if I'd done this, could, could have done that. Um, it, it could have been different. And then how that shows up in this life is tendency to take too much responsibility for other people's happiness or well-being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that resonates. Yep. 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 For sure. And yeah. so just backing up a second and then we'll unpack, um, past lives and how to learn about them and work with them. And I also want to talk about how this relates to therapy, personal development and doing our inner child work. So just to give people a lay of the land, a, a soul's journey is usually from 5,000 to 7,000 years, yes? And you usually have an Something average like that, of like yeah. 120 lives-ish. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you, in between lives, you go to the astral plane yep. and look at what, you know, you want to learn in the next life. And then That's sort it. of pick your parents, pick your journey, go through that lifetime, go back to the astral, eventually get to the causal So before we discuss what happens when you get to the causal, I'd love to explore in between lives because I think a lot of us don't really understand karma. We think if we kill somebody in a past life, we have to come back in this next life and be killed. That it's like it's like a balancing. But can you explain how karma really works and what it is and in between lives on that astral level, what we're really doing and what we're looking for in the next lifetime? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the way you know I understand it, and from, you know, from my experience, uh, karma is certainly not punishment. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of think, people think that, or that 
that if you kill somebody, you're going to have to maybe arrange with that person that they'll kill you in this next life. It doesn't work like that. Um, karma is all about balance, and it's certainly about seeing both sides of the coin. So you, you go to the other side, and you process the life, and then start planning for what com comes up. And the, the choices that your soul makes are based on what it feels it still has to learn. And so uh, let's say you, you did something awful, like you, you killed somebody, you murdered somebody in past life. And when you're processing, your, your soul is going to have a great deal of remorse about, about that. No soul is meant to take another soul's life. So that's going to be you know, something that will create karma. I mean, if you, if you have no choice, there's going to be very little karma. I mean, two soldiers meeting each other on the battlefield, kill or be killed, there's really mm. probably no karma at all. Mm. Huge karma for the generals or the politicians that put mm. you in that position, mm. but not for, not when you really have – it's all about choice. How much choice you have determines how much karma there is. You know, if you can – you know, if, if you have a power, basically, then – the right. more power you have and the more control you control the situation, the more karma there can be. So you're, you're on the astral plane and you, you, you got some remorse about this. I should never kill that person. I feel really uh, terrible. Um, what do I do to balance this? And so the soul will find ways. It could be to be a humanitarian and uh, you know, save lives. That would be a very typical thing. Mm. Now, that's not to say... This is the confusing thing because people think, oh, you know, in that mean, in that case, every humanitarian or or <laughs> surgeon or doctor is has done something really awful in a past life. But we've all done, you know, shitty things in past lives. Mm -hmm. But but it doesn't it doesn't mean that uh, some some people who are doing humanitarian work will be making up for some, you know, pretty bad stuff that they they might have done. But you might have somebody who's doing humanitarian work because they. They had their life saved by, by uh, it could be in a battle, they had their life saved in a, a, an army hospital, and now they want to help people who are uh, suffering as a result of war. So they might be you know, a medic in, in Syria or something like that, or you know, working for Doctors Without Borders. Um, you really can't tell. You're not meant to know because mm. uh, you know, some people will be doing it for, that one, for one reason, some people for another. Uh, usually there'll be some some sort of karma there, or uh, maybe it's just a way to to really, you know, give back. Some souls come here, and they really just want to make a huge difference in the world. So, mm. like I say, we're not meant to know because we're not meant to judge people and say, "Well, that person is obviously a realist, you know, mm -hmm. shit of the past life," you know, mm -hmm. so because they're 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 doing really good things now. Mm -hmm. But karma is always about about balance. Sometimes people come together to work on some karma. Um, that can that can be a challenge in a relationship. It's typically summed up with the phrase, I can't live with them and I can't live without them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have that real push and pull kind of thing, that's usually a sign that there's some karma uh, that you're working through. I was going to say we all come in with the, with agreements of faults, all different kinds with, with people. So a lot of the relationships that we are working through um, will be, you know, balancing something from from the past. And some people do it in really big ways. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're, you know, there's people out there changing the world because they had such a negative impact on it mm. in the past. Mm. It's it's it's, a, it's almost like this great game. You know, we're all balancing karma all the time, whether we know it or not. And uh, 
you talk about this in the Old Souls Guidebook, which I love, and we'll talk about a little bit more later, the the destiny and free will, because that's a question I get a lot is people ask me, well, do I have a destiny? Can I mess up your destiny? And I don't have the psychic gifts that you have. From my own knowledge and the, the information I've been able to get, my answer has been, well, from my point of view, we, ha- we have a destiny and our free will impacts the route and the timing of that destiny. That's, that's the extent to which I've been able to explain it. I know that you'll be right. able to explain it so much better because I think that's a question a lot of us struggle with is, do I really have a destiny and can I mess it up? Like how much does free will play a choice in a soul's journey versus things are just meant to happen? Yeah. Um, well, this is something that I, I talk about. This, uh, the, the feeling that uh, everything that happens is meant to happen or you somehow are you know, on this you know, passenger on this runaway train uh, and you have no control over it. We start off with a life plan. We create this life plan when we're on the astral plane. And it includes things like people to meet, places to go, experiences to have, lessons to learn, karma to be balanced. Uh, so it all it, it's, it's sort of contained. Everything you're going to do is contained in this life plan that your soul is very aware of and your spirit guides are aware of too. So uh, your, your life plan is it, it can be identified. This is what I talk about, particularly in my first book, The Instruction. These are elements of your life plan broken down. Uh, your entire personality is chosen before you come into this world. And it's chosen for a reason. Mm. You, you know, you, uh, I mean, who you are is why you're here, is what I often say. And so all of this comprises your life plan, or you can call that your destiny. Um, I don't think of your destiny as a you know, a particular goal. It's more like a, you know, lots of things that you want to achieve in this life. And I often say your destiny is not a secret. You know, it's an idea that somehow this is, you know, uh, you know, the secrets, the mysteries of life are only available to certain people. And it's, uh, it's rubbish. You know, we're, we're, the spirit world wants to help all of us equally and it's trying to do it all, all the time. And I actually think, I, I mean, I, I say this a lot that your, your life plan, your destiny is staring you in the face if you know what to look for. Mm. It's it's not quite the mystery that most of us uh, think it is, you know, when we're, when we're thinking about who we are and why we're here, if you know what to, what to look for. So this is the kind of stuff that I, I, I talk about mm. uh, in my books. And so if you can identify what these elements of your life plan are, you can, you can really get a strong sense of what's in your highest interest or the kind of work, uh, kind of relationships you have, uh, what you're working on. Um, anything that sort of robs you of that um, sense of uh, being able to use your free will, you know, the idea that you're, you know, you're a victim of circumstances or um you know, it's nothing. You can, there's nothing you can do about it because that was just your, you know, it's your destiny to suffer or or whatever. It's not like that. We have free will, and the free will is always meant to sort of guide us in our highest interest and you know to lead our our best lives. Uh, we're never supposed to become a victim of a person or a substance or anything else. You know, we uh, that uh, no one comes into this life and says, "Oh yeah, you know, I really want to." let other people control me, <laughs> you know, I mean, it'll happen. You certainly get some lessons there. If you have, sometimes people will con- choose controlling parents, but the lesson is not for you to learn how to be controlled by somebody. It's how to overcome that. 
So if you, if for example, you have controlling parents, you know you're working through that fear of powerlessness that I was talking about there. It's actually a choice some souls will make because then you have a springboard, something mm. to, to work against. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can tell so much, to go off at a tangent here, but because you choose your parents, you can tell so much about what you're here to do and to learn by looking at what's been triggered by the experience of growing up with the kind of parents you have. Yeah. If yeah. they were neglectful, you, you might well be working through issues around abandonment or rejection in a past life, and therefore, you know, you're here to find community. Whatever it is that the, the negative thing that's been created here, you want to look for the positive balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Think of the karmic pendulum running, you know, going from one, one extreme to the other. Yeah. I mean, I know for me, my journey, I was put on antidepressants at 11. So that was one of mm. my big journeys, depression and anxiety. And I know that's karmic for me. I know that it's, it's for me to, and now being off antidepressants for 10 years, I feel like that was part of what my soul was here to learn was to learn what de depression is and what it feels like and how to come out of it and not, not see it as a life oh, sentence. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. it's, oh, totally. On absolutely everything about that uh you 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 may have been less than compassionate to somebody who was mentally ill in a past mm. life so your soul says well you know we, we have the opportunity to come into this body which will have to deal with some some of these issues so there's going to be some really powerful lessons there and the important thing is always whatever your you whatever challenges you encounter in this life your soul is always saying okay how do we improve this? How do we get over this? Right. The soul never wants to just sit there and go, well, I guess this is just the way it is. Right. It's always going to, I mean, sometimes that's what we do, but that's more the conscious mind. You know, the soul has no self-pity. It just goes, okay, here's the situation. And if you're paying attention, if the soul is really able to get through, what it's saying is, okay, let's try this. Let's do that. Let's not, um, let's not go into that victim place. You know, let's uh, let's become empowered and do something about it. So, for a lot of uh, old souls dealing with something like that, you you to some extent you can become your own physician. You know, you you become something of an expert because your soul is going, okay, what are the options? What are the other ways that we can we can deal with this? Mm -hmm. um, get you get, put you in a more empowered place by getting you actively involved. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as opposed to somebody who's not really connected with their soul and you know maybe they, they they go to see a doctor about it and the doctor says here take this pill and they go oh sure okay you know so the soul would would normally be saying hmm is that the, really what we want to do right uh, and is is that the best thing and maybe it's right for this for you know five years and maybe something can change there so uh yeah but the soul is always always looking for ways to uh improve or better a, a situation, whatever's going on with you, or whatever negative thing it's dealing with. Well, and I love that you said that karma is not punishment. So, right. you know, I could be struggling with depression because I was, you know, rude to somebody else in a past life, or maybe I, I let depression rule my life and, and never saw, I never got out of it and in this lifetime, get the opportunity yes. to, right? So it's, there's That's actually a really good point because a lot of times we're, we're trying to, we, we, you know, I'll tell somebody about a past life and they'll say, wait a minute, let me get this clear. Are we talking about past life or this life? <laughs> because it really, because it's so, the, it, 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 if you didn't draw the, the right connections in the past life, you may very well 
you know, come back in and sort of re-experience yeah. Yeah. The, the spirit guides will will often say that the experience is not the lesson. The lesson is what you draw from it. And mm. there's always actually a positive lesson, no matter how negative the experience. Mm, mm, I, I agree. So Ainsley, why do souls, where do they even come from in the first place? And why do they decide to come into this crazy reality? <laughs> I know. It's like, you, you, you wonder what the heck they think Right, of right. You know, it must, might've been so nice out there in the Universal consciousness. I know. I sometimes first. feel that when I hold babies, that they're like, I, I feel like they're going, "What did I do?" Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> well, I've always got that impression, you know. With there's a lot of babies, you look at them and you you can see the the soul thought it was a really back into this world, and the baby's kind of looking up at you, going, "Oh, oh Jesus. man." <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> so, where the soul comes from originally is part of a universal consciousness. That really uh, permeates the universe. It's 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 everywhere, and uh, this is something where the the spirit guides will often say that they have to talk in metaphors. They have to talk in ways that we would understand linguistically. Mm. Um, how it all operates is so energetic that we don't really have a language to to describe it. Um, I once asked them uh, about you know well what's it like being part of this consciousness this huge consciousness and then coming here and they 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 likened it to sparks coming off a flame and then kind of igniting little candles as it were and those so you you come in as a soul you break off from this kind of like much larger consciousness you come in as an individual soul usually with a bunch of other souls coming all around the, the same time this is your soul family who you're always looking to connect with, or at least particularly so when you get to be a very old soul with a lot of lifetimes behind you, you, you want to try as much as possible to keep running into people from your soul family. Mm. They're going to be around the same soul age, roughly, uh, probably get you more and you can certainly get to a more a, a deeper, intimate place with people, with souls that you've known before. So different reasons for, for doing this, but uh, it's a big part of the journey. But I think of it as a horse race. You know, we, we mm. all come in, we and our soul family come in at the same time, and then we're off, and some people fall at the first fence and pick themselves up. And, you know, we get to the end uh, at, at different rates, of course, just depending on how much we've, how quickly we've learned or how much we've been held back. Um, but you're, once your soul is here, it's part of this you know, it's it, it only goes between here and the astral plane until you're you're done with with mm-hmm. all the lives here. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually initially initially comes in from the causal plane, I believe. So it's uh, and then it won't see that again until it's it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, through all the the physical lives, mm-hmm. and then you want after that you want to connect up with your soul family. So it's like you know waiting for everybody to reunite and then move on en masse. Uh, to the causal plane to become uh, spirit guides. Mm. Although we can all act as spirit guides for those who are on the physical plane between lives. Anyway, we've all done that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So as the soul's been going, it's also acted as a guide in between lives. Yes. You'll be on the astral plane helping, helping family members or children or whatever. That's so cool. That's so cool. And how do we know, because you talk about sort of like a one to 10 soul, mm, how do we yep. know what level we are? <laughs> well, there are 10 levels in all, and the first five take you through the young soul phase of lives, where the 
oh gosh, the, the the difference between a young and an old soul, very broadly speaking, is mm-hmm. that uh, young souls lack introspection. Um, sometimes can be a little lacking in empathy. It's just a lack of experience. The old older souls do tend to have a little bit more empathy and uh, just m- more introspection. Uh, it, it usually is a big sign of, of the difference. As you get to be a very old soul, there, there, there are different signs. People at level nine, and, or particularly level nine or ten, they're, they're very much more on the spiritual path. Um, there's usually an awareness that uh, when you get to be a really old soul, that religion and spirituality are not the same thing. And it doesn't mean you can't have a, the two, but usually just a, uh, for an old soul, it's more of a personal uh, journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, a younger soul will just, you know, they'll just swallow whatever they're told, whatever dogma they're given, mm-hmm. you know, get them at an early age. And, you know, as the Jesuits would say, you know, give them for the first, you know, giving the child for the first five years and they're ours for life. Um, that for an older soul is not not so likely because the older soul will be, you know, always trying to figure out, again, with that greater introspection, you know, does that you know, is that really my belief? Is that really my understanding? So there's more questioning uh, generally that goes on. Mm-hmm. Well, all the people I talk to, all my clients, uh, are old souls. I've never had a young soul come to me for. I've, I've had well, I've had one or two young young souls who um, whose spouses want, wanted me to to work with them, but they didn't want to work with me themselves. So mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just not their thing. Uh, so yeah, all, all my so all my clients tend to be right up at the end. But there's a different focus at different uh, soul levels. You'll have multiple lives at at each yeah. level, and you know once you understand that, I mean, I can just look at it. I can see you know where somebody is. I can tell even from a soul age broadly what sort of big lessons they might be learning. At certain points that where I can tell it's all about creativity, or you know another point might be all about overcoming the the past life fear of rejection, for example. So, mm, mm. You know, just the soul age itself can tell a lot about how you how you perceive the world. Uh, you know, again, broadly speaking, uh, younger souls tend to be more conservative; older souls tend to be more progressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, older souls tend to be, be more concerned about the environment. They've got a greater awareness of reincarnation, even yeah. if they don't consciously know it. They know they're coming back. You know, sort of, we need to take care of this place. Uh, younger soul may just feel like, well, we're only here once. Let's just uh, exploit the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you don't just go, you know, like you said, you have several lives in each level. I think you told me I was yeah. like twenty percent into level ten or something like that. Like you gave me a percentage okay. into the the level right. that I was. Oh, um, you're actually fifty percent into level ten. Oh wow! So I'm on my yeah. home stretch. <laughs> you are. You are. Yeah, it's downhill all the way. And and there are new souls that are coming in now, right? Just because it's 2020 doesn't mean that there aren't new souls coming in. Well, Mm. well, Mm, this sounds interesting. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. There's, there's a story there. So really up until, till recent times, yes, new souls would be continually coming in Uh, because of the rapid rise in population over the last century or more. You know that hockey stick graph that that suddenly zooms up at the end. Um, we got so many uh, new humans on the planet. If we had, if all of those uh, were new souls, 
we would have a very, very young, much younger soul consciousness than we do overall mm. in the world. So what has happened is that there's been a real slowdown in the number of new souls coming in and old souls splitting off to be in multiple places. Mm. So this is the weirdest thing to get your head around, but you could be, you know, you, you could be in this life here in, in Austin right now, and you could be, uh, you could be over in Hong Kong, um, having a life. You, you may oh, you can life. have two lives on a physical plane at once. You could have three, four, five. Um, That's why I'm, I always feel so busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's other reasons for feeling busy. No, you know, I know. <laughs> which I, which I, I'd love to just mention because one of them is chosen as part of your life plan. Mm. And it's often after past lives where you didn't get a lot done or you mm. sort of you died prematurely. And again, this is karmic. And this thing is called a desire for immortality, which I always point out has nothing to do with living forever. But it's about your soul's desire to leave a legacy or um, create some kind of ripple effect. And often by things like writing a book, I, I see that, or wanting to really feel like the, the world's a better place for you having been here. Mm. Uh, mm. And there's other things that will play into that. That makes uh, sense. As well, but to make you feel busy. And sometimes having those short, disappointing past lives creates a fear of failure. The soul worries that this, this life is going to be terminated prematurely because the soul doesn't know when you're going to pass. And the soul is only ever looking backwards for reference. So, um, you could live to be 150, but the soul worries that you're 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 not going to make it. Um, especially after after you hit the age of 40, usually that's um, that's when, from the soul's point of view, the race is on. We got to be doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, pressure's on. Sometimes you get the headless chicken kind of thing. You know, like it looks like there's loads of activity, but not really going anywhere. You know, you're running around in circles. Right. Um, because the the soul really needs to feel like it's absolutely certain about its path because it doesn't want to go it wasn't it doesn't want to go down a blind alley and then find like years later oh shit this is not what I was meant to be doing so mm. having to come back and and then you know start again so the the one wonderful thing about the way that you're put together is that you know the personality that you've chosen for this life is that if you're certain about any path you can put 100% into it. I mean, mm. you could put, you, you'd be unstoppable with, how, with the personality that you have. But if you're not certain, there's a part of you is going to hold back. Mm. Um, it's like, well, let's make sure this is the right path before we really put all the effort mm. into it. So um, a lot of people have that where they, for one reason or another, but almost always past life related, they're, they're not quite achieving their full potential or they may be hiding their light uh, a little bit, you know, not giving it a hundred percent. And so often it's because the soul just hasn't, it's not totally convinced it's the right thing to, to do. Oh, okay. So it's often not that, you know, they're not, they don't have the capability. They're just not on the right line. You know, they're not pursuing the path that the soul really came here to pursue. Yeah. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah, that's an interesting point. It's not, it's not so often about the, the ability itself. It's often the abilities there or can be developed very quickly uh, because all talents and abilities are past life related. Anyways, mm. quick, quickly bring them up to speed if you need to. Uh, but yes, it's more about uh, knowing it's your own track. This will happen a lot when I'm working with somebody and I'll say uh, something like, you know, you're you're meant to be uh, an acupuncturist or, or or a healer. You know, broadly, mm. but you know, maybe something that you've had a past life in Chinese medicine. Maybe that doesn't mean you have to repeat that. But right. 
hey, give you some real interest or talent there. And then I've had people say, oh, my gosh, I, I always wanted to be, uh, you know, Chinese herbal doctor. Uh, and it's like to get the green light, thumbs up, go for it. Right, so, right, right. I often say to clients, you know, the main thing you're getting here is because, you, you know, you have all the answers deep within that the main thing you're getting is validation. Mm-hmm. And once you have that validation, imagine if you, you're already thinking about doing something. This often happens when I find it. You know, I'll say to somebody, well, you know, you're being guided to do such and such. And they go, they go oh, I've actually just taken a class in that. Or I, I was, you know, just talking to my friends about this the other day. You know, and then, you know, what a great way to get that validation when you hear it from another source. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to... That's all super, super helpful. Um, I want to go back and talk about something, especially because so much of what I do is helping people with their past. You know, people will call in and they'll have an issue with work or a relationship. And I'm always able to tie it back to something in their childhood that they haven't gotten over that, you know, a program was put in that, and that's really the essence of of this show. And so much, so often what I do is connecting those dots and helping them like update that. But, but listening to you, it's like, is if everything is based on a past life, am I even helping people by helping them connect their dots? Is it necessary to kind of understand this life before we can kind of connect the dots to the past life? Well, it's a good question. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, working on childhood stuff is really, really important. Mm. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I think it's 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 vital, you know, to do that. But I also think that it's uh, it's it's vital too to look at the past lives mm-hmm. as well. A lot of times, people are stuck in therapy for far longer than they, than need be because they're missing out the the whole past life part of it. You know, my hope is that 100 years from now. Uh, I've I've said this and it sounds like a joke, but I'm really quite serious that if you go to the doctor's office. I hope there'll be a psychic there mm, dealing mm-hmm. with, the, yep. with the past life blocks. Um, things that show up for, you know, you, okay, so we, we, a lot of us have some, you know, major trauma from childhood. Yeah. And we think, okay, everything's going back to that. And sometimes, of course, we can't find it. We go, oh, like, you know, it's a mystery. I have all these signs of, you know, PTSD from such and such, but, you know, I can't think there was anything in my childhood. And that's because, no, it goes back to, to before that. What I've noticed is that if you take siblings, you um, they might have the same trauma, uh, you know, raised in the family where there's something that happened, uh, you know, the alcoholic father and the, you know, the, the the time they lost the home and all, you know, things that happen, and they respond very differently. The the siblings respond differently depending always on what's in their past lives. So you know, you know, one may experience all the trauma in this life. Their own self worth. They have, you know, real lack of confidence, uh, belief in themselves, because that's that's what's being triggered. It's mm. that memory was triggered by whatever happened in, in in childhood. And what I say is that usually what happens in childhood is a is a trigger rather than the cause. That's mm-hmm. why it's so important to go back further beyond that and see what happens. So one sees the the event, you know, all about. Uh, you know, self-worth. Another one could see it all about rejection or betrayal. Um, and it really is all, always dependent on what's happened before this lifetime. Mm, mm, that makes sense. So mm. it sounds like, okay, this is sort of what I'm hearing and what I'm deducing on my own. 
there's some things that may be able to shift just by healing the past trauma. So inner child trauma, yeah. finding that inner parent, really being able, because, well, and maybe the two go hand in hand. So let me just talk this out with you, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. So so let's say that you were abused as a kid. Yeah. And part of your healing is going back and rescuing through visualizations and rescuing that child from that memory, letting them have their feelings, letting them have their anger about it, their sadness about it, finding that inner parent inside of you, telling them it wasn't their fault, they didn't do anything wrong, and really helping them step into their power. Even though you're just dealing with this life, I would assume that by healing that, you're also healing past lives. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. It's all really, really um, wonderful stuff. Mm. And uh, yeah. I mean, you can think of it as a, as a kind of multi-pronged attack there. Yeah. You know, you want to deal with past life, the present life, and, uh, you know, all, all of it's good. Just in my, you know, my personal experience, uh, for example, you know, I had some traumatic stuff as a child, and it was very hard to, to deal with. Uh, for me, it was all about inferiority and self-worth issues because it was like, you know, for them to do that to me, they must have really hated me or I have no value or whatever. And I carried that belief about being, you know, a bad person, uh, you know, useless, whatever. I carried that, you know, through adulthood for, for the longest time. And for me personally, the how I uh, managed to deal with that was to go back into past life. And once I found the past life of, uh, where I had learned that I had no value. I, I was able to come back into this life, and it really helped me to heal the beliefs about myself that had come that had been triggered in in the early days, early years of this life. But I think what we're saying before, I think if you can do a combination of uh, you know investigations into your childhood combined with past lives, I think that would be the the ideal thing. I would expect too that you know maybe again a hundred years from now that will be a, like past life exploration would be a much more common thing yeah. uh, to see amongst uh, therapists. Yeah, no, I I hope so, and I think for me when I've gotten as far as I can with my own life awareness and I still can't shift something, that's when I'll go to somebody like you or akashic records or another energy like somebody that can see the past right. and see the karma and help mm-hmm. me clean it up. So especially that being so scared in the middle of the night. Like I have done all the things, you know, (laughs) to try to calm that. And when you shared with me about that life, I was like, oh, that's it. And I had some idea that it was probably tied to a past life, but getting, having it validated and you have such a healing energy that comes through you. So you're such a blessing because it's not only the information that you're sharing, it's the compassion and the love that it rides on. Because I think it's one thing to get information, but it's another thing to get information through someone with so much love and compassion, because I think that's just as equal of a part of a healing. And I really acknowledge you and respect you for that, because I think a lot of people that have the kind of gifts you have can sometimes be maybe too direct (laughs) in their delivery (laughs) and (laughs) you combine so much, so compassion and humanity with it that I think that's, that's part of the healing. So thank you so much for that. that, Well, I really appreciate that. Yes. I know some, some people, uh, and you can see that again, it would, I can tell, you know, by looking at somebody's soul types or whatever it's in their, 
life plan. I can tell when somebody has a tendency to be a little bit more, sometimes too blunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually has to do with past life issues, yeah. uh, some expression and the throat chakra. And uh, some people, as a result of that, things get out of balance until it gets resolved. It's like a karmic thing again. And so sometimes the tendency is to either blurt, you know, mm-hmm. be way too blunt, or so diplomatic, nobody knows what the hell you're talking about. You know, so yeah. obtuse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's there's somewhere in the middle when you get the when you get the fear balanced out is certainly one of the ones that I had to work through. Yeah. And once you get it balanced, then you're you're able to present your or anything you can talk to anyone. It's going to come out reasonably well. It's not to say that I don't end up saying stupid things that I regret. I mean, certainly it will happen, but not to the extent that used to happen before I worked through mm. all of this stuff. Mm. Or I had a tendency often to be so diplomatic that. Um, you know, and that's such a people pleaser again. It's all to do with past <laughs> lives, uh, and uh, you know, so overly diplomatic. It was really would leave people scratching their heads and wondering, what's the guy talking about? <laughs> so, well, thank you for your kind comments. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and I and then I always say to everyone listening too, whether it's a coach or a therapist or a psychic or astrologer, make sure that the 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 energy the information rides on is from a place of love and compassion. Cause sometimes information can be traumatizing yes. if it's not riding on the energy of love and compassion and no, we're not given the tools to deal with it. So I also wanted to discuss a little bit and you talk about this in the old souls guidebook for people that may not be able to have a reading with you. Don't know who they can consult about past lives. Don't know, you know, this is resonating with them, but they don't really know how to access their past lives. What are some tools or what are some things people can do to start to connect the dots of what could be past life triggers? Like something is happening in their life that may be caused by a past life incident. What can they do on their own? Well, well, one thing you could, a person could do is, is join my membership program. Mm. Um, just, just go to soulworld.com and see if, uh, if, that interests you because we do a past life regression as part of the the whole program every month. We have classes, Q and A's, uh, daily messages from the guides. It's an awful lot going on, but we do this reg- regression usually about the middle of the month, and so it's an opportunity to continually go back. You can do, you know, obviously you're doing this every month, so we get twelve a year. Um, also, one thing you can do if if you're interested is look at something that's happened. Anytime you see patterns in your life. Anytime you see, like, if you can say, I always seem to, or this always seems to happen to me, it's a it's a past life issue. There's mm. something there continually being presented with. You know, I always end up with, with angry partners. I always end up with whatever it is, or this always seems to happen to me. I'd always question that and say, okay, what are you supposed to be learning from this? Because if you're keeping on running into it, you're not, you're not drawing a lesson, you know, because once you draw the lesson, you're drawing a line in the sand saying, okay, that's enough. I'm not going to keep doing this. And so, um, you know, for example, if you always end up with a, uh, an abusive partner, then maybe there's some really big lessons there about uh, discernment or uh, standing up for yourself uh, and not tolerating abuse and, and so on. So what you want to do once you've identified well, this is something I'm, I'm clearly working through. Do a little regression on your own. Just go into a meditation, tell your spirit guides, I would like to find a past life source of this. Say to your spirit guides things like, you know, keep me safe while I do this. Just protect me while I do this. You should do that anytime you talk 
talk to the spirit world. Just make sure you're connecting with the highest source mm. and uh, say, show me the past life that um, that causes me to act this way. Now, a lot of people go go into a passive mode when they're faced with, you know, it could be somebody with who's got anger issues. And instead of standing up to that person, if you in the past in the past life, if you associate anger and rage with violence and death, even well, you're going to be a placator, people pleaser, like I was touching on before. You know, you you you're not going to want to rock the boat. The fear is that if I make somebody angry, then terrible things can can happen. So you might find a past life where you you know maybe people very angry around you at the time of death. It could be just on the battlefield or. Um, Something has caused you to to become disempowered and not able to stand up for yourself. So let your spirit guides uh, show you. You know, the, the, again, these things are not. There's no great mystery here, and it's a lot of it. Sometimes it's just going for it, just trying it. You know, it's like you know, people people say, "I don't know any of my past lives." I go, "Well, have you, have you ever looked? For them? Have you ever gone with your spirit guides into the past?" And I go, "Well, no." And so, just give it a try. And uh, see see what you get. I love most, that. Most of us are more psychic than we think as well. Yeah. I've definitely yep. had my own past life memories and I'm like, am I making this up? And I just don't doubt it. If I'm in a meditative state and I ask for guidance and something comes forward, even if I am making it up, if the information helps me figure something out or let something go, I'm just going to go with it because Absolutely. <laughs> I've learned I tell, to tell people this all the time. Yeah. Don't, don't question it. If, you, if you're, if you've set that intention, you're creating that, uh, that opportunity for the spirit world to come in and work with you. Trust that what you're getting is what you need. Mm -hmm. And also <laughs> on that, I, I will just say that people will often say, well, um, I got this image of, uh, you know, going down with the ship. You know, I just I watched Titanic again a couple of weeks ago, and so I think it's probably that. Well, sometimes what the spirit world will give you is an image from a movie because mm. it's the it's the it's fastest way to 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 let you know what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, it's not because you watch the movie, but it's a great sort of reference. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I remember I did some volunteer work in a prison, and I had all these weird memories and things come up about prison and going to prison. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a memory. Like I've been in prison yes. before. And it, it would be it a trigger that. going into prison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in fact, people who, who, who are, you know, work to help prisoners, uh, I found that they've all been prisoners themselves. So, you know, it would be guaranteed, you know, that you're, you're healing yourself. Right. Uh, you're doing it's a spiritual act to do anything that would help people who are imprisoned because you 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 were a prisoner yourself in a past life and nobody was there to help you so your soul will in this life go look there's people suffering like we did mm. we can help this time mm. and so uh, it's a spiritual act because a spiritual act is anything you do where you heal yourself by helping those who suffer as you once did yeah yeah what do you I, I you re, you wrote in the old soul's guidebook that the United States is at a soul level five, our mm -hmm. life level five. Um, yeah. looking at 2020 from the lens of evolution and from that more spiritual perspective and everything that's happening right now, how would how would you explain what's going on right now? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a big question. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll just we'll we'll just hunker down for the next couple of hours. I know, right? I know. 
<laughs> well, you know, you see the social media memes all about, you know, you know, 2020 being the longest five years, mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. you know, how I'll be so glad when this, this year is over. And, you know, actually, from your soul's perspective, this might be far from the worst you've had. Mm. You know, um, I mean, the, the you know, coronavirus spirit will take that, you know, very seriously and, you know, wear your mask, wash your hands mm-hmm. and and all of that. But it's um, it can be triggering for some people, not so much for, for others. But, you know, compared to what your soul went through, maybe in Europe in the 13th century with the Black Death, mm-hmm. it might not be so, so bad. Yeah. And the, the soul and the, the particularly spirit guides see it because they're seeing the big picture. They look at it and go, yeah, you know, you're, you're facing some challenges uh, and some people much worse than others. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not in any way to, to, to diminish what people are going through. I mean, people are losing their livelihoods, they're losing their jobs, they're losing their lives, yeah. their yeah. family members. Yeah, yeah. You know, are, are becoming chronically sick. I mean, all sorts of stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's shitty, terrible, you know. Um, uh, but your soul has probably dealt with with worse, um, you know. But, I mean, last life, you know, getting conscripted, ending up in uh, you know World War Two, and getting you know blown up on a mm. beach somewhere. You know, I mean, it's all sorts of things that your soul has gone through that may be uh, a little bit worse. It looks like we've got loads of things happening. Um, you know, we've got this young soul administration we've got um <laughs> that's a nice way to put know, it <laughs> yeah i mean we've got you know i mean mm-hmm. you know we've got somebody leading the country who's a uh sociopath narcissist mm-hmm. um you know i, I mean all, actually all the things that old souls get really triggered by um i actually wrote a blog post about why it's the 10 reasons that old souls are so triggered by donald trump mm. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's because he violates every one of the 10 core values that every old soul particularly yeah. is trying to to achieve. You know, it's like you know, truth, for example. I mean, you know, obviously violating that one you know, yeah. thousands of times a, a month. Um, so you're, uh, the, the, the spirit guides often say the world was never meant to be this way. And, mm. uh, you know, it, it will it will change. It will get better. We're certainly going through a period where our consciousness is being raised, but what we're also yeah. seeing is the, the the dying gasps of the younger souls uh, trying to hold on to power. Yeah. I mentioned in my first book in the instruction, I said the problem with young souls, and, and like I say, we have a young soul administration, uh, level five. These level five souls, um, they don't want to govern, they want to rule. Right, and the and I mentioned in the book that the the biggest enemies is this to them is not a foreign country; it's the opposition party, if one is even allowed to exist. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, we're seeing all that sort of thing play out right now, and uh, you know it's 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 really ugly. It's kind of an interesting thing that the the the, the spirit world, you know, feels that we should all be, you know, politically aware. You know, for, uh, if not for ourselves, for for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, that to you know that idea of saying, "Well, I'm spiritual," so I hear this a lot. You know, I'm spiritual, so I take no interest in politics. That's uh, that seems like a cop out <laughs> to me. It, it does seem like a cop out. Yeah, and and that's fine. 
you know, if you're living a fine, privileged life, yeah. that's great. But there's there's people who, um, uh, you know, whose lives can be radically changed, you know, different depending on who's, you know, who's in power. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I you know, I have a transgender kid whose mm. who's, who's life is very different, you know, uh, under a young soul government compared to an, a, under an old soul one. Uh, I mean, loads of people are, are, you know, negatively impacted when you have that mm-hmm. that lack of empathy and the, the, the greed and stuff that's, you know, we're seeing yeah. right now. Well, I don't know that I've ever seen an old soul leader or government in my lifetime. I looked to, and I worked with an organization that worked in Washington. So I got to kind of be behind the scenes and I was really disenchanted. Same with the entertainment industry. I was in that world. And once I got in there, not everybody was, for lack of a better word, corrupt and power hungry, but I, I have yet to see too many like politicians or leaders that I can point to and be like, wow, that's someone that really cares. It seems like maybe in the yeah. beginning, but then things happen. And that's I, I, one thing. Yeah, that, so mm-hmm. it's, it's very, it's dispiriting. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because, uh, you know, what, well, you know, even with the, the, even the old souls with the best of intentions will find that, uh, you know, the things get corrupted yeah. pretty, pretty quickly. And um, <clears throat> that they may not be able to do all the things that they would they would like to do. Right. Um, certainly, we you know we have glimpses of what it's like to have uh, older souls in power. You know, the, the older soul countries like um, Scandinavian countries. You know, the ten, and anywhere where you see there's you know um, a social safety nets. You know, concern mm-hmm. about those who are less fortunate. Um, you know, certainly those are signs of being in an older soul environment and so you you got uh certainly some older soul leaders there it doesn't always follow just because you have a um like a majority of old souls in the country it's very often it's the younger souls who have the drive the ambition and the ruthlessness to rise to positions of power right so the leaders don't always represent the population uh, and unfortunately what happens is that their young younger soul consciousness then becomes the the I don't know it's what it like becomes acceptable or the norm or mm. the, the mainstream. Mm. I mean, you've got like a like an old soul uh, leader in New Zealand. I mean, she's, you know, so like she's a you know good example. Uh, Nelson Mandela was a good, uh, yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are they're, they're definitely there. They're just fewer and far between. And I think that's one of the things that maybe one of the reasons why so many you know there's not many new souls coming in is because we know that there needs to be a, a shift in things. And yeah, oh well, man, it's, it's, it's seen by, it seems by spirit world as a rescue mission. Right, like we we cannot go on. I mean, yep. it's the way we're we're treating the planet and each other is it's unsustainable. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. What an interesting time to be alive. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's that old uh, Chinese curse. I know, I know, I know. You know, I I used to say, well, yeah, I'd much rather live in interesting times. You know, maybe more recently I'm going, gosh, I I wish it was a little less interesting. (laughs) I know. And I try, I try to sometimes like stick, you know, not look at things and not get involved. But it's just, it's hard for me, especially things like, trafficking humans and child trafficking and all that. It's like, it's hard for me to know about because 
as mm-hmm. such an empath and we'll get to the soul types in a second, y- you know, it's, it's, it makes me cringe, but at the same time, I can't not get involved and, and do something. So it's that, it's that balance. And I wanted yes, to, it, mm-hmm. well, it is a balance. Yeah. And I think you have to, that is really important. You need to balance your own well being and, you know, yeah. s- spiritual happiness uh, along with that need to to be involved. Yep. Something interesting that Spirit Guides pointed out uh, recently, I was writing about this, that a, a lot of people think that to be spiritual, it's about, um, you know, it's about meditation, you know, doing your meditation practice, your yoga practice, uh, wishing everybody namaste and, you know, calling it good. But those are, the, the practices are means to an end. Mm. And, not the end in itself. And it's really to, you know, what a truly spiritual person is somebody who's actually improving the world, helping others, you know, doing something to make a difference, mm-hmm. being part of the, the solution. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Well, let's transition um, to soul types and then we'll start to wrap it up. And I know you have a free quiz on your website people can, can take, yeah. um, but can you talk about what the different, you don't have to go through every one, uh, but like what a soul type is and maybe some of the common ones. Um, yeah, you can even sure. share mine if you want, because people you know, know me. I was gonna ask, <laughs> ask you if that, right. I was yeah. going to ask if I could do that. Yeah. Cause you, you have a, I, I got to tell you this, this cracks me up that, um, I often feel like I'm part of some cosmic joke when I'm working with the spirit guides that things will come up, um, that, you know, I've been telling people for years, when I see the combination of soul types that you, you got here, uh, I would say, this is so unusual. I could go months without seeing it. I've seen it like, what, five, six times in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I love super, that. I got it four times in a row and I'm going, this must be, this must be some kind of joke, you know? So, um, because it really looks, it, it's kind of, well, it's interesting. I'll show you how this works. So your personality is based on 10 soul types, not all of them, but when there are 10, soul types these are archetypes if you like that are based on what you've learned in previous lifetimes Mm -hmm. so you know we don't come into this world uh knowing how to do something just or learning it fresh each time we build on the lifetimes before so there are 10 soul types you will choose one um soul type this this is like the core of who you are primary influence of one of the others and secondary influences from usually several of the, the, the other eight. So you're a spiritualist type. Most of my clients are easily over 95% of the people I work with are spiritualist types. You learn to be a spiritualist through past lives as a healer or a contemplative. And uh, so you're priests, medicine person, midwife, herbalist, surgeon, um, nun, you know, the sort of past lives I would see a lot of. The reason... Uh, a lot of old souls choose this is to make sure that you're always focusing on finding meaning in your life. The last thing your soul would want when, you have, when you're an old soul spiritualist is to take a job you don't really like and say, well, you know, at least it pays well. Um, and I, I, can, I can do the things I want to do when I retire. Uh, you know, your, your soul goes, no, no, it's, we've got to be doing meaningful work now. And, uh, you know, and doing something to help create a better world. Uh, there has to be something more for a spiritualist than just making money. The primary influence that you've got here is from 
one, one of the other nine, and that is a leader influence. And that is super fascinating because why do you choose this? Hmm. You know, several reasons. You want to have some air of authority because you're going to be leading people. Um, you're uh, overcoming some issues around powerlessness from mm-hmm. the past life. And so what a great way to do it because the leader empowers you. It gives you extra masculine energy. I always say not in any kind of b- bad way, you know. Um, right, right. It's just, uh, but it, uh, as, as an old soul, you can you can lose a lot of drive. You know, it's like getting to the end of all these lines. <laughs> you have to be like tired. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, oh, here we go again. But the leader can give you a little bit more drive and ambition, and that's good. It can get more done. The the next element that shows up is the performer, which, um, again, because it's so prominent, it tells me you're working through past life issues. And here it would be issues around self-expression. Mm, mm-hmm. So you're choosing the performer. You learned to be a performer through past lives as a, could be a singer, dancer, uh, musician, presenter, um, storyteller. But it's about communication. It's also about really helping you to connect with people. And you often see the leader and performer together to give you more um, charisma, uh, more of a presence in this world. I often joke when I see this kind of combination in a client, I'll often say, well, you will never fulfill your life plan in the back room of the accounts department. This is always what pushes you out into the world to be noticed, especially at your soul age. We talk about that separately, but you you are meant to be kind of out there. Um, Also, a lot of what shows up here is about you um, drawing people in. I mean, the fact that you have a podcast, you know, it's a way to bring people together. You're trying to unite others. The next element that shows up is the creator. Um, that comes from past lives. Mm-hmm. As, as a creator, it could be anything from a, a jewelry maker, hat maker, uh, potter, you know, just creative stuff. The the characteristic often associated with creative people is sensitivity. And the sensitivity of the creator uh, that you have here um, softens a lot of the, uh, the, but particularly the leader type energy. So you become less strident than a lot mm. of leaders would be. You know, you're not going to bark orders at people. You're going to be much more sort of inspirational in your, in the kind of leadership you do and very much more sensitive to, you know, reading a room or f- feeling what's uh, going on. The next element that shows up is the thinker. It's a very rational part of you. That's why it's as an academic or um, yeah, it could be a writer or something like that. Um, there will be a tendency to overthink things. One of the things you'll be learning, especially with a leader and thinker, you need to, you know, uh, I'm sure there's been times when the left side of the brain has been a comfortable place for you to hang oh, out oh yeah <laughs> and certainly to over you know overthink things and sometimes Never. you know a big lesson is yes. just <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and the last thing that shows up here is the caregiver yeah and this you know this is why i, I don't see this combination very often yet surprisingly you know i've seen it it's a lot recently uh often it seems a little sort of odd to have that strong masculine energy of a leader along with extremely feminine, uh, gentle energy of the caregiver. Mm. Mm-hmm. But actually, they, they interact quite nicely together. One softens the other, one toughens up the other. Um, the caregiver, you learn from past lives. It could be around animals. 
it can be taking care of children. One particular thing that every caregiver has has to experience or will have experienced is helping people transition from mm. this to the next. Mm. Especially for you, because one of the major fears that your past life fears you're working through is one of rejection. Helping people to to transition from this plane to the next helps to mitigate the effects of you know abandonment and rejection in this life. Mm. One of the worst things for the soul is to die alone, feeling unloved. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that all gets carried into the next life is feelings around loneliness, abandonment, being an outsider, not fitting in. And you by holding somebody's hand and helping them to cross mm-hmm. over peacefully, you, you can uh, help them in the next life um, to have none of that, uh, mm-hmm. none of that fear. And uh, so, again, this would be considered to be a spiritual act if you've ever had the chance to help somebody. It's it, Everybody benefits, you heal yourself, yeah. you help them. It's interesting you say that because one of the, the things that's tugged on my heartstrings the most about COVID is, is people dying alone, especially in mm. nursing homes, and like wanting oh, to go in and just be with them. So that, you know, like that's just broke my heart. And one of the things that yeah. I don't know, I just think it's kind of been a little bit inhumane through all this is people dying alone. So it's interesting that you said that because I've intuitively known that that's such a rite of passage. Like it's mm. just as important as birth in so many ways. Yes. Um, yeah. And like you, you aren't born alone. <laughs> I don't think we should die alone either. So absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it's just awful to see, uh, to see that happening. And mm-hmm. you, you know, you, the, the the reason that you're you know tugs at your heartstrings is that this is to get you to do something. It might be saying you know we there maybe there's something we can do to help here. It could be just you know a reminder that part of your purpose here is to f- make people feel like they belong. You know you're you're part of what you're doing here is bringing the tribe together. A lot of yes. the people who are listening to this will be you know members of our your tribe, my tribe, or our tribe, you know, old, older souls that connect with us that have yes. been drawn in. Yes. And uh, so, you know, helping, helping others to feel they belong. Belong. Mm-hmm. Also for helping you to feel like you're part of something. Again, mm-hmm. it's one of those things. It's just where everybody, everybody benefits. It's a mm. spiritual act. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Helping people feel like they belong and that they're not crazy and that they're not alone and is yeah. really, really, really important to me. And absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So everybody listening, um, if you go to Ainsley's website and I'll link everything up in the, in the show notes, you can take your soul type quiz and it'll give you an explanation, um, of the different souls. And then you can also get his book, the old souls guidebook, which is your third book. Is that right? Third, third book. Third yeah. book, which I loved. I've been devouring over the last few days and you have all different kind of membership communities and free resources, um, other free resources that people can use. And, yeah. you know, kind of in, in wrapping up here, cause I want to be respectful of your time. It's a two part question. Okay. The first part is if someone is really, really feeling stuck in something, what would your advice be. And two, if someone's feeling really called to do something, but they're not sure if it's coming from just looking for something 
external to fill a void, you know, cause often we look for, Oh, if I have this job or this relationship, then I'll finally feel good about myself. They're not sure if it's that they're looking for something to fill a void or if it's okay. like truly a soul's calling. Mm. Oh, that's a, that's a, <laughs> That's an interesting one. Sorry, what was the first question again? Oh, I got so wrapped up in my second question. Oh, <laughs> yeah. the first one was if someone's feeling really stuck in an area oh, yeah. of their life. All right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if if you're stuck, there's a couple of things that you can do to, to get unstuck uh, very, very quickly. One of them would be to um, analyze as quickly and simply as possible what's What's sticking you? A lot of times when you've got past life fears like powerlessness, which we talked about, it it robs you of the ability to see your potential or to see the way out of a situation. It's like having the blinders on and, you know, literally unable to see all the, the possibilities. So, you know, it's like I'm stuck. There's nothing I can do about it. Oh, well, really? You know, what would, well, is there maybe there's just something radical you could do? Um, so really kind of analyze that, you know, you, you, the spirit guides will say that we almost always have more options than we think we have. We almost always have more power than we think we have. So are you really as stuck as you, as you think you are? The other thing that can get you unstuck, and this is really a simple thing to do is take a class. And I, I always think of somebody I was working with years ago where, uh, she was really stuck and the guide said, well, very simple thing to do right you know right away would just be take a class and she said well like what and they said well uh, ceramics and she's oh i always, always wanted to be a potter and uh they said or astrophysics and she's going what the point was it was doing something something that's new something i haven't done before maybe so it shifts things up shakes things around a lot of times the the feeling of being stuck is because the thinker part in your soul types is bored and you just need to do something different. Um, and, you know, so many online classes and things that you can do now, it's a really great way to, to um, get, get moving. Uh, so let's have a look at the other questions. So this is, a, uh, this is about if, you know, is it, is it really how can you tell if it's the right thing that you want to do? Am I, am I getting that correctly? Yeah. So the difference between, because I see people, have desires or callings for two reasons. One, because it truly is a soul's calling or two, because they think it'll fix a discomfortable feeling or a problem they have in their life right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, sometimes you need to, again, question things. Um, for example, you know, a, a lot of people feel like, yeah, the, you know, all that's missing is this. And if I, if I, you know, if I get this, uh, I'll give you an example. Of, it's, it's a weird one, but um, I've seen a couple of people recently with this where they have a past life fear of inferiority. It comes from being treated as if you had no value in a past life. So it goes to uh, self-worth issues in this life. And they, each of these people was meant to be doing something uh, like that would be entrepreneurial. Like being a coach, or I think it's probably coach or a healer, something like that. I get a lot of people coming to me who, who in, in the coaching and healing yep. kind of yeah, me too. You know, world. So it was, <laughs> it was some, something like that. And uh, so, uh, the, gosh, where was I going with this? It's it, 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 the, the question was really, um, 
okay, so you're, you're, you're meant to do something, but why are you doing it? Yep. You know, what's, you know, dig down deep yep. and try and ask yourself, you know, um, am I doing this thing because, uh, you know, I, I really want to, or is it because that inferiority is telling you or other people have said, you know, you should be doing this. That's a problem when you, when you have issues around self-worth, you can very easily allow other people to be controlling what, what you do. The other thing that these two people had in common was a feeling like they were unqualified, uh, underqualified, and both had said something like, well, great, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I like the idea of doing whatever it is. Um, no, now I need to get another degree, or, or it wasn't quite that. It was like a certification or, or something. Um, when in fact they had everything, you mm. often see this. People they have uh, they, they have three degrees and 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 yet they still feel like they're not qualified. Right, right. To, they're a failure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. sometimes as well, I think it's just to say, well, you know, remind yourself that you have incredible abilities. You're bringing in an awful lot from past lives so you don't even know about. You know, you've got a wisdom of ages. You know that you're, you know, look at what you're bringing to the world. Uh, you know, when, when people say, oh, I'm not good enough or, um, I often feel, look at, the, look at other people who are doing it and feel like they somehow have got, you know, greater wisdom or they know something that they don't know. Um, it's to recognize you probably have a lot more ability than, than you think you do. Mm -hmm. Uh, you probably don't need to do, to get another degree to, to start doing what, what you do. The more, the more important thing is to make sure you're, you're really working towards that end. Yeah. I, one weird way to think about it came up in a session I was working with somebody the other day and uh, the, this somebody who's procrastinating, which is a past life fear of failure, uh, lack of true belief that things would work out. And uh, we were talking about starting um, starting a business and uh, the person was saying, yes, well, maybe, uh, you know, it wasn't quite like I think I need another degree, but it was along those lines. There's some sort of procrastination and the spirit guys were saying, no, you need to start. Not tomorrow, not next week, but today. Start working on this right away. And they said, think of it this way, that the person that you are in 10 years' time will be very, very grateful that you started doing this 10 years ago mm -hmm. instead of do it, you know, doing it in 10 years' time mm. and having you know, then be 10 years older and start trying to get the thing going. Yep. So think, think of, you know, future you is going to be very grateful for the things <laughs> that past you, you know, got <laughs> Involved in. Yeah, I I often tell people that are scared to do something. I'm like, think of a bigger fear. Think of you in five years being upset that you never pursued it. Be more afraid oh, of that than taking the risk. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, this has been such a. I could ask you, you know, a thousand more questions, probably more. <laughs> um, I just again want to be respectful of your time. Thank you so much for what you do, the way you do it, and you know you. You must have a spiritual type as your soul type, I would imagine. I, actually, I've got a weird little... Um, really? My soul, soul type and influences, yeah. Um, I'm actually a creator type with a primary thinker influence and a secondary spiritualist influence. Ah. Less elements, the fewer elements than almost anyone I work with. And I, I you know, felt a little cheated there, but I was talking to the spirit guides one time recently and that's always struck me as being a bit weird that you know that's all that ever comes up and they said well if you because i'm so interested in doing things um i have uh, like a lot of old souls i have a mission of exploration yeah and uh it's very very strong 
uh, after past lives of enslavement and so on. Mm. It's, I, I want to do everything. The, the guides were pointing out that if I had more elements in my soul types, I would be, my energies would be so dissipated that I wouldn't get I see. really much much done. So it was a deliberate choice to, to sort of really limit things a little bit. As a creator, I mean, I was an artist for 20 years. Um, uh, I was an illustrator. Uh, I paint now. I play guitar, you know, so I've got all these things I want to do. And uh, this sort of helps to 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 uh, narrow the focus, I guess, uh, a little bit. I know, love especially that. With, with my day job, <laughs> you know, so I love that. I love that. Well, I know that people are going to want to go check out your book, go to your website. I'll link all the show notes. Any other ways that people can get in touch with you that I didn't mention? Uh, Facebook, Instagram. Okay. I guess. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and I love your newsletters and the soul type quiz was really, really fun to take. I, I, oh, I got very, I got pretty much the same, uh, when I took the soul type quiz that, that you read for me, it was great to get the reading with you and good. get it more hashed out. Good. Uh, so people can go there and I hope this brought you, everyone listening, a lot of reassurance and a lot of understanding and just know, like, I know that people are like, Oh, I wish I could have a reading with Ainsley, which you can do. He has a long wait list, but you can go and do that. Um, but also know that you have the power within to reflect on this and to get the information you need. You just have to trust your ability to communicate with your own soul and, and know that you can do it. And you can join a lot of Ainsley's different membership communities or read his book. I think that that is a good starter. Just reading the book, I think, will activate past life memories because there, you share so many incredible stories in that book. So even something as simple as that, I think is a great tool. So again, my friend, thank you so much for the contribution that you're making and for uh, well, chatting with me today. Well, I thank you for all that you're doing mm. as well. Pleasure. And it's been an absolute delight uh, talking with you. I look forward to doing this again. Oh yes, let's. 